0: Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and Stephanie Burke, the science advisor Matt Moni taking the night off, which, you know, he's been begging us to talk about UFOs, right. and we book a UFO guest and he takes the night off, but I think he might have been abducted again.
1: Well, I talked to him earlier, so
0: not then. He gets he gets good reception on the ship. Does he? Yeah, he does. He Well, he has Verizon, so he has service everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even Okay. They they should have commercials with that guy. Can you hear me now? Actually, he went and jumped ship for the other one. Oh, did he? Yeah, what's it Who is he with now? I don't know. I he, don't know. I think it's Sprint. He does commercials and he's like, "Oh, I used to say, could you hear me now? But now you could hear me everywhere." Real, shut up, guy.
1: Okay, then.
0: Shut up. That's why like if if I hadn't been with like I've been with T-Mobile since the late 90s, since mm-hmm. before it was even VoiceStream. I don't even remember what it was before then. But whatever it was, I've been with T-Mobile since then. I think I got my my first cell phone in 1998. And then, which I got, by the way, funny story, I was walking, I was a student at UMass Dartmouth at the time, I was walking through the campus center, and some dude was like, uh, hey man, you want to buy a cell phone? And I was like, yeah. Well, Of course. He's like, yeah, I'm from California, and uh, I, I don't have any money to get back to home. I need money for gas, so I'll sell you this phone for like 80 bucks. I'm like, all right. Because back then, you know, I was independently wealthy. Right. So I always had hundreds of dollars in my pocket. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll buy it. And uh, and I took it to the local cell phone store, and and they were able to wipe out his stuff and start set me up with a new account. So I would take it with me everywhere I went, but we would never use it because it was like 50 cents a minute. Oh my and God. it was and it was prepaid, so I only had like X amount of minutes. So uh, we would use it to like call and check movie times. And remember, you know those movie phone yes. things where like it takes you like twenty five minutes to find out what movie you want to. They always like have the most popular movies as the last one of that course. they mention. Right. So you're sitting there like burning these very expensive cell phone minutes listening to that to find out what time it is. It was like whatever, just drive to the theater. By the time we get there, we'll already know, know what time the movie right. is. So uh, yeah, so that's and way back then. I've, so I've had cell service since then. But if I was trying to get cell service now, I don't know what I would do. Because, like, everybody offers something different and, and everybody... Did you switch, Matt? I know that you just got a new phone. Did you switch service or did you stick with the same company that you've had? Oh, hold on, that's the wrong one. There we go. No, that's still the wrong one. Where's... Which one's the right one? <laughs> just kidding. I just, I think it's not working at all. Weird. Well, because I was going to ask you to explain the whole. Well, that one's working. Is this one, on? yes. that one's on. That's um,
2: okay. <laughs> uh, much like that microphone, I have AT and T.
0: Well, uh, I know, I know that. Um, Which
2: I love it and hate it.
0: We love it and hate it. Mm-hmm. I know that with a lot of people, there's all different reasons why they want to join certain companies, but uh, all I care about is how much I have to pay. <laughs> and it just seems to be getting more and more expensive. And the phones are getting more expensive. They can do more, but they cost more. But it doesn't matter because as long as you have one, you can download the free Spooky South Coast app. And you can join in with the show. You can watch it live streaming. You can chat with everybody in the chat room. And, Matt, you just started something new tonight. There's a a, a new aspect to the chat room that you were telling me about earlier where it can kind of make things a little bit more fun for people who are in their commenting. Right.
2: I'm not sure like exactly what we uh, we can do with it, um, but as a reward for uh, the our loyal uh, chat followers, which uh, we have a great group who, in there right, every Saturday right. night. They're all they're all uh, put up with our technical issues every, each and every week, and um, so uh, the the longer um, the longer the uh, they're in the chat room um they they accrue this virtual currency and then with that mm. virtual currency we um, can make like, hold raffles uh we can bet on things and, and like have a little fun with it
1: that's really cool
0: so so yeah i think i think we can totally like come up with some fun ideas to do with, like some you know maybe sometime when like we don't that. have a guest we can like uh you know have a, have like a trivia contest and we can have people bet to see like you know who's going to know these right. questions and, and
2: uh, let me check to see you can check your balance i'm not exactly sure how I'll get back to you
0: Alright But anyway It's just a, another reason To join in the show live On Saturday nights And join in the discussion In the chat room Which you can get to On com Through the Spooky South Coast app And on YouTube as well Just trying to add Extra dimensions to the show You know, make it extra fun. We've got this video stuff going on, and and as Matt said, you know, the people sit through the technical issues that we have sometimes. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, last week we were having problems because of the storms, uh, and so that was pretty much wiping out the Internet that we were trying to use. So, you know, people are, are pretty good about hanging with us through all that, so this is another way that we can have some fun with the people in the chat room. And it gives you something for, you know, spending time in there and commenting. You can't just hang out in the chat room either to earn them, right? You have to actually interact
2: yeah it's the the active um people in the chat room, so you can't have a bunch of chat windows open and like just sit there and not say anything.
0: Right. We want you to be interactive. We want you to to be part of the show. And tonight you can be part of the show both in the chat room and also by calling in at 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. Coming up a little bit later on in the show, we'll be joined by our guest for this week, Jim Ledwith. He's also known as UFO Jim, and he's going to be talking with us. This was just the 70th anniversary of the Roswell crash just this past week. So we're going to talk with him about that, about his work in ufology and I want to get into some of the real meat and potatoes of the actual Roswell crash in that situation, so we'll, we'll focus pretty heavy on that, but we'll talk about all different kinds of general ufology questions, and as I said, you can call in at any point at 508-996-0500 or 877-996-1420 for those of you who don't have cell phones and, and don't have plans, where you can call anywhere that you want, and you need that toll-free option, uh, that is available for you. So we're happy to we're happy to foot the bill, and I say that because the station pays for it, not not Spooky South Coast. So we're happy to foot there the bill go. for toll free numbers. But um, UFOs are are pretty uh, you know they're pretty popular. There's a, a new series that debuted tonight on Destination America that focuses on the Roswell crash. Uh, I think it's going to be something that there was that little bit of a blip a few years ago, probably almost ten years ago now. But when Ghost Hunters first came out. There was two different shows that came out at the same uh you know a couple of years later called UFO Hunters. Uh both under the same name but two different shows completely. And there was a few investigative type shows where they would go out and look for UFOs, but for the most part we've been getting a lot of documentary style specials about them and they they're really starting to make a comeback. Uh, I noticed that History Channel has been playing the crap out of ancient aliens, which I find pretty interesting because, you know, that's a show that's, it's been on consistently for a number of years now, but they've just been running like marathons of it. I don't know if it's just summer programming or what, but uh, they've been running quite a bit of it. So I think what it is, I mean, deep down inside is maybe we're trying to send the signal out there as a, as a human species to say, okay, if ever we needed you guys to come down and let us know that you're here and that there is intelligent life out there, like now is the time with everything that's going on in the world, maybe now we're kind of reaching out a hand and saying, uh, we would appreciate if you could come down here and help us a little bit. And I think that they're probably up there saying, oh, no, you guys are on your own for this one. You know, we've been we've been happy to watch and observe, but uh, we are not getting involved in this one. This is your own mess. I think even if the aliens said that the Russians uh, hacked the election, I don't... I, I, think even then you know you 'd have uh, the Trump administration saying nope, nope didn 't happen. Maybe it was the aliens that hacked the election.
1: I was just going to ask it's maybe possible. it was the aliens you never know
0: it could have been i mean if if they would probably be able to hack into those voting machines pretty easy also it doesn 't help either that we live in an age when we have all these great technological advances, but we're still voting by filling in a bubble on a sheet and handing it to a 90-year-old lady to feed into what looks like a Xerox printer from the 80s. Yeah,
1: I agree. That is kind of weird.
0: So maybe that will be the best part that comes out of all this, is maybe we'll have some updated voting, because there's going to be a way eventually where you can just vote on your cell phone. I know that people are very concerned about this when it's come up as a possibility, and people have said, I don't think that technology should be...
1: Well, Use in that fashion, cheat now with paper.
0: We are getting. I don't. I don't think that that's true. I think mean, that's way overblown. Those ninety-year-old ladies would never let that happen. That are doing it just to get a free sandwich. There and a cup are definitely of
1: soup. people that have voted under my name, <laughs> for sure. So I know.
0: <laughs> I. I'm gonna. I'm calling BS on it. Okay. I am. I'm sorry. I'm I've gone agreeing. to
1: vote and my my name was already crossed off. That's out. just
0: because they stupidly crossed off your name but already. But there's still human error. Somebody didn't vote for you. Somebody just crossed off the wrong but name. It still counts. Well, it's cuz they're 90 years old. Chris McCarthy was talking about it this week. When the new generation of people come up and are willing to sit there and take that job, then we'll get rid of some of that. That's not that's not voter fraud. That's poll volunteer.
1: You get so heated about politics. We can, during paranormal talk.
0: We can open our phones with our fingerprints. Right. Well, supposedly. I don't know. I don't, I don't have one of those phones yet, but f- for people that have the newer – Matt, you have a newer phone. Can you fingerprint open your phone? Uh, yes. Does it work?
2: Uh, I haven't tried yeah. it because I don't want to be a part of the system.
0: <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <That's,
1: laughs> wouldn't a weirdly appropriate right. topic for tonight right
0: but you you know if, if you can get to that point where eventually that's how you're going to access they can put all your information well they have uh, they have those biometric
2: rings that they're trying to push forward to it kind of like sinks to you I, I'm not sure if it goes with like your your heart um, the the beat of your heart or something your your specific like uh I don't know
0: but couldn't you just take that off and right
2: but I mean you, you could it, it would be a little more secure than a password or something like that
0: cuz l- let me just give you an example of what i think is like the dumbest thing ever and that's that we don't i mean generally we don't have access to our own medical records like we don't carry around our own medical information it stays at the doctor's office or within oh. your within your health plan organization or whatever however they decide to to store it but eventually, we should just have it right on our phone. I do. So when – but it should be automatic. Like, it shouldn't be
2: something that you have to request. But then if you have it on your phone, that means someone else has to have it. Like, it has to be in the cloud somewhere. My my
0: medical records I mean, aren't is, even this digital. Is,
2: this is 1984 stuff.
0: I can't even get them, like, emailed from one doctor's Rockies. office he's, to another. An See,
1: I can log into everything from my phone, and they pushed me to get it. I didn't ask for it. It was a whole new thing with South Coast, where they push you to sign up for my chart, and I can do that. I can also enter as many fingerprints in my phone as I want to. I can, I for my old phone at least, because this one's brand new. I had Brendan's what? fingerprint. So
0: I would say, why do you want all the people to touch your phone?
1: I don't. But I'm saying, like Brendan like, had his. All right, put your, in
0: your fingerprint in, and then you get to like wipe well, it all
2: it, off. Like, no. what if you, what if you lose a finger? If you want to have a backup?
0: Right, right. What if your phone could just <laughs> print you out a new finger? if you lost one. They're they're doing that with 3D 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 printing. They're they're creating limbs for people. You know? I don't know. I just... All I can think of is, you remember that movie? um, What was the Tom Cruise movie with the uh, predictive crime? Minority Report. And I just remember in that movie, when you walked by a billboard, the billboard specifically targeted you mm-hmm. with whatever advertisement it oh, thought that you they would They do want. that now in uh, certain, like, targets and, right. and uh, they're, they're Wal- starting, Walmarts. Yeah, they're yeah. starting to, to put that into place now. So, like, when you walk into a place, I guess it's like your phone with the store app gives off the signal.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So, like, if you have the, what's the target app? Uh, So if you have Cartwheel, you walk in, and, like, it syncs up with what you had been searching for on Cartwheel and posts it up in front of you.
1: Have you noticed that your Facebook does that with things that you Google search?
0: It does, and it it annoys me Mm -hmm. because, like, sometimes I Google search for things, and I'm like, Facebook, I don't want you to know that I was looking that up. (laughs) You know, there's no reason why Facebook should be giving me the best possible deal on an inflatable sheep. Um... Don't I'm, ask. I'm gonna be
1: good right now. I'm just gonna Don't sit ask. here and pretend I heard nothing.
0: But it is you do get that. Like, well, that's
2: because all these um, these applications that you're using, all these social media platforms, they're all, they're all free, so they have to pay. Right, which they have to, I, they have to pay the bill somehow. I understand
0: so. that, but it doesn't have to be invasive like that. Mm. You know, I'm fine if like Target wants to buy an ad right. and I mean, have it scroll by. I, I
2: have I have no no problems with um, any advertisements in social media or anything because I have. The I feel like I have a strong will to not to realize. Uh, I have that filter, so I can like realize that it's an ad. And right. I, I don't care. Like I, I'll just pass by it, and be like, "Oh, that's an ad. No big deal." But it's when it's they get into personal information that they don't need for advertising. And that's when they that's, cross the line.
0: Yeah, that's the way I feel about it. I don't care about ads. I don't care about like. Ads can be annoying but for the most part like I don't right. care if I have to like scroll by something
2: I mean you're getting you're getting a kind of a lot for free if you if you think about it if you take a step back and look at what
0: absolutely I I think I told you the story but during uh, a snowstorm over the winter I ran over into the supermarket across the street to get some dinner and as I was getting out of my car you know I kind of slipped a little bit because it was icy and snowy and everything and so my phone was in my back pocket and I butt dialed somebody over Facebook that lives in England so the, so the whole time that I was in Stop and Shop, I was on a Facebook call with somebody in England, and it was totally free. Yeah, I mean, it was whatever. It was not my right. data yeah. plan on my phone, but still, it, like, it didn't cost me anything. And actually, I probably picked up the Stop and Shop Wi-Fi.
2: Right. Imagine, like, I don't know, 20, well, 25 years ago, making a long-distance call for however long you were on Facebook for. Right. That would be ridiculous. You would get a whooping from your parents.
0: (laughs) And like that's like we're to the point we're almost to the point where we can start connecting with guests via Facebook for the show. Mm -hmm. Like as it is now if we talk to somebody in England we use Skype. Right. Because the station would never let us make international calls. They'd be like no we can't afford for you to talk for two hours to somebody overseas.
1: That allow you to do that now. Um, I did it I forgot what it's called Um, but I downloaded an app when my friend was deployed in Iraq and that's how I talked to him the entire time for free. So
0: the um, the other thing, though, about it, though, is I mean, Matt's talking about it being intrusive, like in your private information. They are getting to the point now where they're starting to realize that people are ignoring them and they're finding a way to make it so you can't ignore them. I never have my volume up on my phone when I'm in my house. I turn my ringer off. I turn the media sound off. Mm -hmm. And then because, you know, if I'm if I'm like getting home at twelve thirty at night. I don't want to be like scrolling through and have a video come on and have it wake everybody up in that the house. That happens
1: to me all the time. I hate it.
0: But today I happen to have my audio up, and I'm sitting on my couch and I'm scrolling through Facebook, and every like fourth post was a was an ad, and every one of them had sound that was coming on automatically. And I was like, but I don't want to hear these things. So why are they coming on automatically? So it's just they're trying to make it so it's harder and harder to ignore them. Kind of like aliens, you know? Stop they, it. They make it so it's harder and harder they're to ignore They're behind the all
2: this technology.
0: Probably. Hmm. They're like, we, we give you this way to connect humanity. And with it, you know, we give you this way to uh, have annoying sounds and, and uh, sales pitches directly in people's hands. But what can you do? Right you now, as you said, I, you're getting
2: it for free. They were definitely behind Flappy Bird.
1: Oh my god, I had I, I checked my old phone <laughs> the other day, and I still have it on my old do
0: phone. You, I, yep. Don't delete because you can't download. Yeah, right. do That's why I like, haven't. Like, done wait, it. so it's like, you, it's like wait, a, hold on. You have an old phone that has Flappy Bird on it. Yeah. You're not using the phone. No. Okay, oh, and what kind of phone is it? iPhone. All right, put it up for sale. Yep. On eBay, you will get crazy offers just for Flappy just cause it has Flappy Bird. Oh yeah, oh yeah,
2: yeah. People want people want the original like uh, the original. Um, Program?
0: My, um, what? My, uh, what was my, my HTC Amaze, which yep. was like my first smartphone that had Flappy Bird on it, mm-hmm. and there were offers for $950 on it. Wow. So, but I could, it turns out that I couldn't sell it. Hmm. I couldn't because i I mean, there's a million others out they'd. there now. I, had, but. I, had, there was like, underneath the phone, mm-hmm. there was like one, uh, you know how like they can tell if there was water damage by opening it up. Right. Yeah. and so I had never had water damage on it, mm-hmm. but one of the,
1: the colored things, indicators
0: yeah. was indicating that there was water damage, so the no, sale see, was off. My
1: my phone—I had
0: never actually had water damage on it. It worked.
1: My phone is not in the best shape, so it probably will not. Doesn't sell. matter
0: if you can get if if I they had can get their hands on, on the home button. <laughs> if they can get their hands on Flappy Bird, they'll probably be willing to pay something for it. But yeah, Flappy Bird people are crazy. I still have it on my phone. Mm-hmm. Do you? Yep, and every time I buy a new phone, it just transfers over to the new phone, so...
1: So why can't we download it again?
0: Because they pulled it.
1: Did they?
2: Yeah. The the um, the guy who made it pulled it, because it was just crazy. Can I tell
1: you how much I hated you, too, for it? me It's like, it's, it's like you, know, you that? know
2: how those people who, like, uh, win the lottery, and then they kind of go crazy, and they're like, yeah. I don't want to be, like, I don't want the spotlight on me anymore? It's kind of like that.
1: Hmm.
2: You just kind of, like, got too much attention, and...
1: I spent a Shunned ridiculous away. amount of time trying to beat your high scores.
0: <laughs> I don't. I know that I had I a much up. higher score before I switched phones, and when I it switched was... phones, the highest score reset. Yeah. I, I was
2: much, much um, better at the Harambe version of it. The- oh yeah, oh, that's I
3: have, right. the, I have the Harambe
0: that. version.
1: There's a there's one that says Flappy Reborn, the classic bird
0: game. Hmm. So my do original. They, do they have a ghost version? No, we should make that. Yeah.
1: Should I not download this?
0: So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna check just because you guys got me thinking it now. All right. I lost that one on purpose. So my current high score is only 109. Only. Only. But I hated you. I was like up over 200. I was up over 200 before I switched my phone over and it reset for some reason. Yeah.
1: So for everybody listening right now at home how fun and exciting our lives are we had a group message going where we would just send screenshots of our high scores to each other all day long remember when our high score was like
0: 15 right we're like I got 15 I actually got into double digits so Matt's over there creating the ghost version he's creating flappy ghost right now (laughs) on his phone (laughs) it'd
1: be a good one
0: so and uh and speaking of uh of flappy ghosts uh, we do have a couple of events coming up. We Thank will you. tell you about those a little bit later on tonight. Coming up in just a few moments, I will be joined by our guest Jim Ledwith, UFO Jim. Uh, Matt's going to get him on the phone for us. And we'll talk about different UFO topics with him. And then a little bit later on on the show, we'll be joined by Ashley Turner to talk about the news. So she's right. out tonight, so she's going to be back a little bit later. So we kind of flip-flop things around a little bit. And we'll talk to her later on. Uh, and, again, if you want to call in at any point, 508-996-0500. 877 996 1420 are the numbers to call in. You can also send your questions in via the chat room on SpookySouthCoast.com, on YouTube, and on the chat, uh, on the app. And you can also email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com as well. Plus, you can tweet them to us at SpookySC or using the hashtag SpookyLive. So there's really no reason not to get involved in the discussion, but of course, the, I guess the two best ways. We always say the best way is to call in and ask your question, but right. it's also it also pays to put it in the chat room now because you will earn those coins that we can hey, use. for I earned coins. Weird, fun stuff. Is it, did it tell you that you have coins yeah, already?
1: Yeah, I have coins.
0: So I haven't posted anything in the chat room yet. So I want to say
1: it says hi everybody. Forty-five orbs.
0: It doesn't. It doesn't tell me how many I have.
1: You have to do exclamation mark orbs, no oh. spaces. Let's
0: see. Oh, I put an exclamation exclamation
1: point? Yeah, yeah. See, 25 okay. orbs.
0: Oh, wow.
1: I have more orbs than you do.
0: 25 orbs. There we go. I'm getting off to a good start. And uh, so you can earn those, as we mentioned, just by making comments in the chat room and uh, and taking part in the discussion. So it pays, at least in virtual fun, to get involved in the discussion, which we will be doing right now with tonight's guest. Jim Ledwith, a.k.a. UFO Jim. He's been researching UFOs and extraterrestrials for more than 45 years. His extensive research includes visits to England's crop circles, Area 51 in Nevada, Roswell, New Mexico, along with multiple UFO conferences, including the annual UFO Congress. His investigative work includes interviews with prominent people associated with the UFO genre, retired military and defense industry personnel, regression therapists, and UFO experiencers. He's collaborated with many UFO researchers, document- documentarians, and experiences, including numerous spooky South Coast guests, Steve David Bassett, Dr. David Jacobs, Linda Moulton Howe, Richard Dolan, Stanton Friedman, Michael Glickman, James Fox, Andy Thomas, Foster Campbell, and Travis Walton. So we welcome him now to the show for the first time. UFO Jim is joining us. Good evening, Jim. How are you?
4: Good evening. Uh, I am doing fine, and thank you for having me on.
0: We are so glad to have the opportunity to talk with you because, as, as I just mentioned in your bio, you've had the chance to work with a number of people that we've had on this show in the past and people that we look to as uh, kind of go-to authorities on the subject of ufology, and it's great to just be able to add another person into the mix with the wealth of information that you've gathered over the years.
4: Well, thank you very much. Those are very notable names. I heard them, and, uh, uh, yeah, but it's all true.
0: One of the things that we were mentioning at the beginning of the show is that there seemed to have been a a little bit of a a wave in media Uh, at the beginning of this whole paranormal bump that we have going on right now. So about 10 years ago, there was a little bit of a wave of people actually getting out there and investigating UFOs. On television shows. So we're seeing these shows like UFO Hunters that Bill Burns was on, and you know, we're seeing shows like that, and it's kind of gone away from television. But have you seen more people actually out there actively researching UFOs in, in that time since?
4: The answer is uh, yes, but the inherent problem with this genre is money. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason that Ancient Aliens, which by the way is a very, very good program or series, I think they're in the 11th season right now. Um, is they have some money and they do events. And I was at I was participated with them at an event in Santa Clara, California, um, a few months ago at the convention center. And I think we had we did it was for three days and we had seven thousand people a day. Wow! Uh, the events I was participating in, we had just the. the, the the limit of people that were allowed in the, in the conference rooms, around 300. But uh, supposedly there's 7,000 people a day. I mean, that's that's awfully impressive.
0: And when you consider, uh, you know, how many people are, like my co-host Stephanie here, <laughs> who is, you know, she's just, it's not that she's not a fan of the topic, she's just terrified of the topic.
4: Well, that I'm going to make it, it. it worse for her tonight. <laughs>
1: oh, good. Stephanie,
4: I'm very sorry We're going to be going down a real slippery, slidey, bumpy road.
1: My heart's already racing. I don't know how I feel about this, but I'm trying to be a good sport.
4: Be a good sport. You know what? The thing is, most people on this planet are basically, I hate to use the word, clueless about the biggest subject facing planet Earth. And they're not to blame. I mean, this is done on purpose. The powers that be do not want you to know everything because... Um, The reality is that um, they can't control you as well. They can't. uh, Remember this, without a permanent threat to national security, America's multi-billion dollar war machine is without a purpose.
1: I totally respect that, for sure. Um, and I definitely think in that aspect anyways. I think what terrifies me the most is my fashion, my fascination with the unknown. Um, yes. And asking a lot of questions to um, abductees or my friends that have been researching UFOs for 30 years or more. And once I started asking a lot of questions, I started to get some unwanted answers very fast.
4: Unwanted and- because... You weren't receptive to those answers.
1: Um, it wasn't that I wasn't receptive. It's I maybe I didn't know how to handle it, and yes. um, I started to have some crazy experiences that I was not expecting, and yes. it started to um, break down that wall between, um, I guess what I allowed and what I didn't allow. There was yes. there was nothing there to stop it, so it it freaked me out a little bit. So I haven't asked questions in a long time. So that is why okay. I'm terrified.
0: Is is that terror though, Jim? Is that something that is does that come from the, you know, the government, the, the, the conspiracy aspect of it? Is, is this the scary notion of everything that goes on with aliens and UFOs? Is, is that fear factor part of how humans are controlling the situation? Well,
4: I think it's about technology. I think it's about, look, we have had contact with extraterrestrials, I'm meaning the government, and, and specifically the American government, uh, or parts of it, not all of it. But parts of it, I mean, it, in the 1950s, in the 1950s we had an exchange program which was, uh, was, was, was outed in the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind by Steven Spielberg. And, uh, and it was a, basically an exchange program. Uh, there's a great book out by, uh, Len, uh, Keston called A Secret Journey to the Planet Serpo. Get the book. You can get it on Amazon. It's like 14 or $15. This is an exchange program we had. It was 12 of us went, 10 men, 2 women, one E-band from the planet Serpo, which is in the Zeta Reticular Star System, and it is 39 light years away. The E-bands came and took our 12 astronauts in 1965 from Holloman Air Force Base, and took us to planet Serpo. It took nine months to get there. When you think, well, oh, it's a long time, no, it's not, 39 light years. <laughs> You're moving awfully quick, uh, definitely quicker than the speed of light. So the reality is there's stuff that's going on, has gone on. Um, the Internet is the best thing that happens in slice bread when it comes to ufology. I've been doing it close to 50 years. Wow. And, yeah, 50 years. And by the way, Stephanie, I'll take it a step further. Not only am I a researcher, but I'm an
0: abductee. Oh, we will definitely get into that, Jim, uh, well, for you, sure. Are you sure you want to go down that path? <laughs> I do.
1: It's okay. I can handle it. I, um, can you handle it? I, th- I think okay. so. I'm here, Let's so that's, that's, that's thing what matters,
4: right? Do is if I can get one or two commercials in during the course of the next hour or whatever length of time you have me on, uh, my website UFO mm-hmm. ufogimsonoma s-o-n-o-m-a dot com or ufosareal.com u-f-o-s-double-r-e-a-l dot com I just got my commercial in.
0: Oh, and okay. we, can, we can certainly <laughs> run, do it a few more times before the end of the discussion.
4: But Good, 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 good. But
0: here's something that I'm going to
4: throw this out now. This is from a film that was made in 1992 and it was basically put together by Dr. John Mack, who's deceased, by Bud Hopkins, deceased, Mm -hmm. and Tracy Torme, son of the singer Mel Torme. Tracy is alive, lives in L.A., a filmmaker, and I'm doing a little work with him. And he did this film in 1992. Now, Stephanie, you're going to have to cinch in for this one. So in the film itself, called Intruders, was a film that was made for TV. And you can view it on YouTube. I love the internet. Anyway, you can view it on YouTube and see the whole film. It's almost three hours long because they put the episodes together. And, but here there's one part where a general, retired general, who was part of the cabal MJ-12 or whatever the organization he was part of. And, they were trying to enlist Dr. John Mack, who is played by the actor who's deceased now, Richard Crenna. And they were in this wonderful Tudor mansion, and they were in the study. And the general is saying, you know, doctor, we want to have you on board. And the doctor says, well, are we going to tell everybody what's, what's really going on? And he goes, no, no, we're not. We're going to follow the company line." And then the general said, Doctor, do you want, and here's the part coming now, and I'd love to get feedback from you guys or from anybody from the chat room or a call or whatever, and I'm going to give you this line from the film Intruders. By the way, watch the film. It's riveting. I mean, it's just wonderful to see this part of the movie. But anyway, the general asks the doctor, should the president of the United States go on national television and say, My fellow Americans, we have evidence of a superior race or races who have visited our planet. They come from God knows where, maybe outer space, or from some other dimension of existence. They are abducting our citizens on a regular basis. They are conducting experiments on them, collecting specimens of our ova, our sperm, They've been impregnating our women, then later inv- invading those women's bodies again and stealing the unborn fetuses for reasons we can only imagine. Well, you tell me, guys. I mean, too much? Too little?
0: my good enough? My thought on that is I don't think that the president could ever uh, share that information because if that was another earthly State that was doing that, if that was uh, you know another country that was doing it, another opposing force, we would mm-hmm. consider those acts of war and we would consider those you know something that we would have to mount a defense against and it would cause uh, there would be political and and uh, combative ramifications to that and how can you do that going up against a, a a society going up against a a being that you know you have no shot against
4: possibly. Possibly. I just think that when, for something like that. And by the way, the general says, doctor, really, what, he, what, what the average uh, American thinks is life on this planet is, is, is manifested with a 30-year mortgage. You know, you can go to sleep at night, and there's no problems the next day. And you can go to sleep the following night and the following, and so on and so forth. So the point is, there's a lot of information out there. That really is kind of dicey. On the other hand, once we have disclosure, and I don't mean the kind that a president's going to do, whether it's Vladimir Putin or it's Donald Trump or any other head of state, to come. Out, though I would like for one of them to do something, at least get our minds thinking that way a little bit, even if it's light. I mean, if you, if you say it all and I don't know it all but I know more than most but I don't know it all and it's it's extremely uh, uh, challenging I was gonna say frightening I think it's frightening and challenging and so but what I do my main priority is humanity I work for the planet I got seven billion students It's a big classroom and my students I want to educate as many as I can to at least, when something happens—mass sighting, explosion, false flag invasion, or whatever it may be—I um, would. I want them to be not as frightened and to be try and remain calm and try and we work try and work through this. Because if you just say it's not here, it's not here, you know, Stephanie, I hear you and I say to myself, my God, you're a perfect, perfect subject. You're you're only one of seven billion or, you know, 90, 90, 99, 9, 99.9999% of the world's population will probably go, ah, you know, so I'm trying to minimize the ah. And I will try and make it as comfortable a landing as we can.
1: I, um, I definitely know that I would be one of the screamers for sure. Um, <laughs> but I can tell you, I mean, not knowing too much about me. I am a psychic medium. I have hunted ghosts for a long time. That does not frighten me. I think because I have control over it. Um, I think the part of them taking me whenever they want to and doing whatever they want to me and returning me and maybe not being so nice scares me because it's the same... I, I compare it to somebody kidnapping me in the middle of the night, somebody living. So uh, that's definitely the part that bothers me. The the blinders to the fact that they might exist or the blinders to um, what you described before about you know living your life and going to bed at night and everything else. I know I, I'm not one of those people. I'm so not closed off. I The way that my mind works thinks and and does things that i don't even agree with and but i'm completely and totally aware of everything in my surroundings at all times so um like i said i the the entire thing fascinates me especially um you know hearing from people that some of them are fascinating and do have healing powers and different things like that that's that's something that i want to hear more about um just the the fear of the unknown is definitely what's what's getting me so i'm i'm looking forward to you turning my mind around completely <laughs> so
4: here's the thing, and, and we, maybe should we, then we should in a few minutes talk about Roswell. But um, there, I believe, my opinion, there are multi-species that are engaging planet Earth. The ones that are making crop circles, the real crop circles, the ones that are making crop circles, is one species that comes from whatever planet, whatever dimension. The other ones that are taking us, and by the way, I'm going to give you a number of how many people are estimated to have been taken as in abduction. It's like two. The number is going to stagger you. 200 staggers me. 288 million people. Yay. That's wow. 4% of the planet's population. And it's generational. They didn't just come along and get me. They took my father before me, and who knows how many generations back. Can't tell you. Don't know, but I can tell you this: that most of the time, Stephanie, if you are an abductee, you don't normally know it. You are very much uh, uh, black blacked out when it comes to memory. But through hypnotic regression work, and I know a bunch of hypnotic uh, regression hypnotic regression therapists, and that work with abductees, like Dr. David Jacobs, like. Uh, Laurie McDonald, like Mary Barr. And these people work with these people and try and help us um, to cope with it. Because we we all have jobs, by the way. All of us abductees, we all have jobs. And by the way, you hear these nice little words, experiencer. Wonderful. Experiencer. Uh, The reality is, yeah, it was an experience, but... You know, these poor kids that are on milk cartons that were kidnapped, Mm -hmm. they're not experiencers. They were kidnapped, most of them. They were kidnapped. And I think for us that have been taken also, we've been kidnapped. So let's not, you know, sugarcoat it. Let's be honest and call it what it really is. We were abducted. And even though I've had a lot of enjoyment over the past 50 years researching, involved in the subject, and dealing with all of my... Fellow researchers and experiencers, haha, abductees. The reality is that I enjoy it. I totally enjoy it. So they've got—they're getting their money's worth out of me. Whatever they have me in the education department, or uh, you know, soften the blow department. The ones that are taking the species that are taking us—they don't want to land on the White House lawn. Forget it. They're not going to be there. Why? They've got a program. And then I, I, I do encourage people to just go to YouTube and put in Dr. J, David Jacobs, and you can see what he's saying. Now, I kind of lean to what he's saying, but there are a lot of other people that are out there, and, uh, you know, they have maybe a, a different point of view. But I believe it's, I would say, probably nefarious. I think that it's all about breeding. It's a hybrid. It's a hybrid program. It's all about the reason they take us. They don't need any more of our skin. They don't need any more of our bodily fluids to experiment. No, they've got a program, and the program, in my opinion, it's a hybrid program. And it's about, you know, breeding and then reintroducing those hybrids back into the mainstream population, the ones that look like humans, not the ones that look extraterrestrial. So those are the ones that do come back in. And as time goes on, there'll be more and more and more. Endgame, can't tell you. Could be good, could be bad, could be somewhere in between.
0: Well, we are going to get into, like you said, we'll get into Roswell for sure, but do you feel like these beings that are coming here now and are uh, carrying out this plan, carrying out this program, are they the same ones? If we look at ancient aliens, if we look at the beings that were reported thousands of years ago, is it the same Species, the same beings, the, the same residents of the same planet, or however you want to look at it, are these the same ones that at one point were actually helping to build our society?
4: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to guess at it. I would say right. no, because I don't think they're going to say, hey, we're going to help you. to on, on the other hand, maybe it's yes, yes or no. Maybe it's yes because they wanted to get us to a certain level,
3: mm-hmm.
4: and they probably got involved with our DNA back in the day. And we progressed very rapidly, thanks to them. It's really, really, really complicated, and it's—you know—it's like, do we really want to know all of that? I I think for a lot of us, maybe it's best just stay in the dark.
0: I almost look back at it though when I say, you know, if that was the case, if they were—if they were building the modern human society back then and trying to plant those seeds for us and kind of help us and give us a kickstart back in those days, that maybe the reason why there's this kind of interference now is because we didn't live up to the expectations. And they're saying like, now we got to, now we kind of have to take over this. We tried to let you do it on your own and it didn't work. So now we're going to, through DNA, actually try to make you more enlightened beings uh, by just changing the basic structure of who you are. Like we couldn't get out of our own way because we're man and we were we were just prone to you know man's desires and and man's you know fallacies and so they had to come in here and and they had to kind of say to us like we're gonna have to physically in, in, introduce our DNA into your species to get rid of all those stupid things that are going on in your heads.
4: Maybe, but I think that it's more nefarious than that. I think. I mean, I don't know what the net the net result is going to be, but here's what happens. A human and a hybrid, I mean a human and an extraterrestrial, you have a hybrid, or now called a U-Bred, as in human, alien. U-Bred, hybrid, and then you do it again. Then you got the hybrid, U-Bred, breeding with an alien. Now you got a lot more E.T. than you do human. And you do it again. And you do it again. And so that, doing it again and again and again, you you know, finite uh, the gene pool, so to speak. And so I believe that that's what's going on. Um, you can't. No, you can't. You can. You can say that's what's going on. But you know, probably if you were working in the inside, with you know, Department uh, Defense, Intelligence Agency, or the NRO, or any of the other uh, organizations, they'd probably say. On the side, look, we don't know exactly what they're up to. So we can't go to the people and say blah, blah, because we don't have all the information. The information, And that may be true. But when we got honest 70 years ago, now we can just kind of ease on into Roswell. If Roswell, 70 years it's been, guys, it's horrible. 70 years, and we're still coming up with all kinds of, Goofy stories that no, it didn't happen. No, it didn't happen. Because here's what happens: if Roswell happened, it can be categorically proved that if it can be categorically proved that the Rod- Roswell crash did happen, then a cascading series of remarkable possibilities would become certainties. First, and it would mean that there is intelligent life on other planets with technology greater than ours. And I wonder... Then the 70-year cover-up would imply the existence of a shadow government that continues in power from administration to administration. Otherwise, how could the fraud continue to be perpetrated so expertly? Uh, this in turn means that our democracy is an illusion and that we really live in some oligarchy...
0: Was this the original intention, though? Because I, I wonder if maybe uh, in 1947, for a variety of different factors, and, and we can talk about this. But you know, prior to the Roswell crash, we have the Kenneth Arnold sighting. It was were we at the verge of maybe having that, um, you know, disclosure on their end of of these beings finally making their presence known, and then the crash happens for whatever reason, and then it turns into this huge government cover up.
4: Well, the Kenneth Arnold incident up at uh, Mount Rainier uh, was three weeks—oh, yeah, about three weeks before Roswell, mm-hmm. approximately. Um, the reason that they are—they were up in that area was all based on what happened on July sixteenth, nineteen forty-five. With the explosion of an atomic bomb at the Trinity site mm-hmm. in New Mexico, in Alamogordo, New Mexico. That was the calling card. They were saying to each other, hey, the kids have found the matches. But they weren't happy because they knew, they knew us probably better than we know ourselves. And they realized that we were probably pretty irresponsible and we're going to be going nuclear. And we did go nuclear. Uh, probably. We did go nuclear. Right. And the reason for their involvement up around the state of Washington because of the Hannaford uh, nuclear uh, site and also all of the stuff that was going on in New Mexico, Roswell had the only bomber squadron, the 509th bomber squadron, that was capable of delivering atomic weapons, bombs. They, they flew out of there, basically, to bomb Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the 509th. So the reason that they were around doing these things was because of our nuclear capability and basically checking us out. Checking us out. We've got all kinds of witnesses, military, retired people, that worked at ICBM sites in Minot, North Dakota, et cetera, and so forth, and where the UFOs flew over their complex of missiles and shut them down. There's all kinds of stuff on the Internet, books written by these people, um, and and uh, basically say, you know, that, yes, this happened, and we were there and we were in charge. And they were brave enough to come out and say this. And so I think it's the atomic bomb. I think it's nuclear. I think that is the... The major concern for ET uh, in the past, say, seventy years,
0: and then the the crash comes. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pause right now because I'm not supposed to do this. I'm not supposed to skip the network news. But this conversation is going so well that uh, I'm actually gonna do that. So I'm gonna take a quick break for station identification, and then we'll get right back into the conversation. New Bedford's
4: new- New Bedford's news talk station,
3: 1420 WBSM. New Bedford, streaming worldwide on the WBSM app and on WBSM.com.
0: All right, now we're not going to have the news, and I'm probably going to get fired, but it's worth it to get this information out there to people. So now, as you mentioned, you know, a couple weeks after that sighting, we have the Roswell crash, and this is this is the game changer because now there's physical proof that this is happening. Correct. And so, and I know that you've been spending a, a number of years researching that uh, that in particular. Uh, we've had Jesse Marcel Jr. on the show before he passed, and he explained to us, you know, exactly what it was like, exactly went through. But for the people who are listening now that are new to that, why don't we kind of walk them through both, you know, what happened and what the supposed official version is of what happened?
4: Okay, let's go back to about the late 1970s. Now, this event we're talking about happened in 1947 the late 1970s, a great researcher and a great person by the name of Stanton Friedman, and you may have had him on the program. Oh, yes, a couple times. Stanton found, uh, at that time major, though he did get promoted to colonel, Jesse Marcel. He was the intelligence officer of the 509th bomber group down in Roswell. And the Jesse you had on the program was the son of that Jesse. Mm-hmm. And uh, his father... Uh, brought, was re- retrieved the the uh, the parts of uh, pieces of the craft. Put them in his truck, and before he went to the base, he stopped at his house and he brought it into two o'clock in the morning and put it out in his kitchen on the floor. And his and his wife and uh, Jesse Jr. Uh, got to, for all intents and purposes, play with the stuff. And there was that. Metal that, you know, went back, you know, you can crumple it up, and then it was like memory metal, and it would just unfold. And then there was hieroglyphics on a few things, et cetera, and so forth. So that basically, in a nutshell, was Jesse Jr.'s story. Um, But Jesse Marcel was the intelligence officer who ended up being the fall guy. This is really, really interesting, because that was on the night of, it was on the July 8th, like two o'clock in the morning was July 8th. On that day, July 8th, the commanding officer of the 509, which is Colonel William Butch Blanchard, Colonel Blanchard, you know was informed immediately or close to immediately about what he had been discovered, and he gets his public information officer, Lieutenant Walter Hout, who, by the way, you can see a live interview of him on YouTube. He's passed away, but a really, really good interview with him. He was the public information officer that <laughs> went to the Roswell Daily Record, another newspaper, and then two radio stations with a press release that Colonel Blanchard dictated to him. And that was what was put into print. And um, what was very, now here's the part that's new. The part that's new is Colonel Blanchard did this at about 11 o'clock in the morning. He had Lieutenant Hout come in, do the, he, Lieutenant Hout says in that interview, which you can see on YouTube, he says that the, the colonel had a notepad and he just read off at verbatim what he wanted the lieutenant to do. And what he wanted to take to the newspaper and the radio stations. And so he did exactly that. He said he didn't, he says a lonely, a low level lieutenant doesn't tell, you know, uh, a full bird colonel that, uh, you're doing it wrong, you know, or say it this way or say it that way. And you'll see him say that. So that's, so that happens on the 8th. This information is now out in the public domain. I mean, there's a lot of, parts to this, but we're just kind of stay, trying to stay simple with it. Colonel Blanchard takes a three... And this is on the internet, so I'm not saying something making it up. Mm-hmm. Colonel Blanchard takes a three-week vacation following that announcement.
3: Oh, really?
4: The most important thing that was ever said on planet Earth? And yeah, I'm out of here. I got three weeks. I'm going. No, I think something else happens. I think General Roger Ramey, uh, from the 8th Air Force, or the 8th, 8th Army Air Force, um, and other, and the Pentagon, probably, you now this is, I'm just now, I'm going off script now. I'm just making this, I'm not making it up, but I'm just trying to come up with a, uh, scenario that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They wanted them out of the way. And so then they had Jesse Mar. Then you, then we have Jesse Marcel, the uh, intelligence officer, flying with nothing <laughs> to Fort Worth. And when I say nothing, when you see that interview with um, Lieutenant Hout, he said there was nothing on that aircraft. It, it, they they took boxes, and so what he, I think he said they were like empty boxes, and put them on a uh, C-54, which was a big uh, prop-driven transport plane. And they flew it to Fort Worth and Carswell Air Force Base. And they flew that uh, Army Air Force Base. And they flew it there, and then they had the quote-unquote phony press conference, and they made Jesse Marcel, intelligence officer, the stooge. You know, he's holding the stuff up, and they said, nah, it's only a weather balloon. Right, But in reality, you know, it, it was the you old know, bait-and-switch. And, switch. and uh, uh, William Blanchard, interestingly enough, because I think, if anything, he was the one that told the truth. But, and by the way, he ended up having an interesting career. He ended up being a four-star general. He died in 1966. He was my general in the Air Force. I didn't know it at the time, but he was my general. And um, that's one way to, you know, keep people quiet. Um, But unfortunately, on May thirty first, 1966, Butch dies at the Pentagon of a heart attack. Now, was it a natural heart attack? What was it not? I'm not saying. I don't know. I have no clue. But it seems like we have witnesses that have had Colonel Blanchard, then General Blanchard, and we've got them, and there's a lot of witnesses to this, not a lot, but witnesses to this, where he said there was one craft and four bodies, he told people. So I'm assuming, I don't know this, he's at the Pentagon, maybe he liked to go to the the, the officers' club, and maybe he liked to chat. Because here's the deal, here's a guy that was supposed to want to be the pilot on the Enola Gay to drop the bomb on Hiroshima in 1995. But... They made him the backup pilot. This is really important. They made him the backup pilot. He was not the pilot. And so he lost his opportunity to be famous. I mean, these days, killing so many people, you may not feel like you're famous. Right. But at that time, he was ending the war. The bomb would have possibly ended the war. And he wanted that opportunity. And he lost his opportunity. And then on July 8, 1947, two years later...
0: He gets another opportunity. Et. That's true. I mean, that would. What do you think? Your name would certainly go down in history for that. But uh, so then, what leads to this cover-up? Then, if there is this crash that happens, it must have been an an immediate, you know, immediately go in. They must have had some sort of plan in place already of what would happen if this came to be, because it happened so immediately. Cover it up take this for ourselves, take this for whatever we can mine out of it, and make sure that we just, at the very least, make the story so ridiculous to the public that they'll just eventually lose interest.
4: Well, you may recall that it went quiet for 30 years. And if it wasn't for Stanton Freeman, who is alive and well, I see him usually at least once a year. But if it wasn't for him, who knows, it could still be a lost subject.
0: Right, he's the one that so, actually interviewed Jesse and, and brought it back to the forefront. And,
4: and Exactly, he brought it back to the forefront, exactly.
0: Went from being forgotten to being probably the, the most recognizable UFO case of all time.
4: Right, and, and what I had said earlier, you know, that if the Roswell crash happened, then all these other things are certainties. All of them. You know, living in, in a, an oligarchy, you know, We can, we we can, we, well, we do probably go to the stars with a secret space program, but that's another subject. But the reality is, we, we are, um, we've got technology that we didn't want to share with our enemies and maybe others.
0: So we're able to reverse engineer whatever it was that they recovered from that crash.
4: I believe so. And
0: put some, what, what do you think might be some of the things that we have in place today that would have come from that?
4: Well, I mean, right now, I, the only ones I can think of, like I said, there's tacit blue, there's T, the TR-3B, uh, there's all kinds of stuff that I've seen flying over Area 51 on Wednesday nights at around 9 or 10 o'clock at night that they may not have been extraterrestrial in origin, but they definitely probably were either craft that we were flying, which may have been extraterrestrial, or that were back-engineered, and we were testing them on Wednesday nights. This was in the 90s when I was apprehended out there,
0: along with my wife. I was going to say, you've actually been out to uh, some of these areas, and uh, and I'm sure that even now with... uh, I mean, there's no other word to call it, really. It's a disinformation campaign. That's what's been going on for the last 70 years. But even around that, you know, they're still hyper-protective of everything that's going on.
4: Well, sure. Sure. I mean you got, you got one group that, want to, that are keeping the secret, and then in the 1950s, they had Project Sign, which was a predecessor of Project Rudge. And then there was Project Blue Book, which got discontinued in 1969. But you have the same government with one group keeping the secret, the other group trying to search for the truth about E.T. That was Project Sign. You can Google that, check that out. Mm-hmm pretty interesting program and they got a lot of information matter of fact one of the programs I uh, one of the lecture series that I do is Hollywood and UFOs because Hollywood is a great uh, co codependent with our uh, secret keepers. The film industry has a long collaborated has long collaborated with a government disinformation campaign about UFOs. Shaping and controlling knowledge about documented UFO activity. I mean, can you give us an
0: example of that?
4: (laughs) You sure can. You ready for some great movies? Absolutely. That you can go see on YouTube again, which is good. Here's one that people in the genre like, and even though I thought they wouldn't when I started to do film festivals, United uh, Unidentified Flying Objects. The True Story of Flying Saucers. That's one film. It's a disclosure film. But it's half Hollywood, half government, so to speak. But the one that's just screaming disclosure was made in 1970. By the way, the Unidentified Flying Objects was made in 1956. You also have the only airline pilot from a major American airline, which happens to be American Airlines, in uniform, in front of an American Airlines aircraft, in front of an American Airlines hangar, saying he had a UFO incident. He describes the whole thing. The guy was articulate, and he was in that movie. But the one that screams disclosure, really screams disclosure, is U- UFOs are real. It has begun. It was made in 1979. Mm-hmm. The host was Rod Serling of The Twilight Zone. And when the movie starts, a Colonel William Coleman is in the Pentagon. They're doing a UFO disclosure film or a UFO documentary, whatever we want to call it. And here's a guy walking down the halls of the Pentagon. (laughs) And then there's all kinds of information. They have people from the CIA and all kinds of other uh, government people in this film. Plus they have scientists. And I think what happens is, you know, there's a group, wherever it is, in uh, Virginia or Washington or wherever it may be, that say, you know, we need to get some of this information out. And so, you know, they make these movies. And whether it's UFOs that has begun or, um, well, of course, it's intruders uh, with abduction. But I think just for a straightaway UFO situation, Unidentified Flying Objects, the true story of flying saucers, it's about a... 55 minute film and the other one um, UFOs that has begun is about an hour and 20 minutes but you can see them you can buy You can buy, I think you can buy them on Amazon um, I know you can buy UFOs that has begun you definitely can buy that on DVD
0: I, I, I want to so. get into uh, just a couple of the questions too from the chat room that have been coming in uh, and, and one of them comes in the question is With your understanding of UFOs, do you see it as being all material? And and you had mentioned trans-dimensional beings as a possibility. But do you see this as being a physical embodiment of beings from another planet who are traveling across space to this planet? Or do you see it as being something that could be uh, almost metaphysical in nature?
4: It could be either or both. I'm sorry I can't be more... Specific.
0: No, un- understandable, because I think that we've seen over the years with the different reports that have come in, we've seen – I mean, first of all, if we have been taking this technology from the Roswell crash and putting it into play, we're seeing something that would, that would be matter-based and that would be of, of physical properties, but at the same time, we're also seeing – You know, the emergence of some things that could go beyond that. For example, one of the reports from abductees, and and I don't know if you've experienced this in your abduction experiences, but, you know, telepathy is a big part of the communication process between these beings and that we're starting to develop more and more of that ourselves.
4: Yeah, that's true. And one more thing that I just thought about is uh, E.T. has asked me to try and talk to or talk with people under the age of 25. Hmm. It's interesting um, I know when I work with young people If I work with anybody under the age of 18 Parents have to be there I will not talk, discuss, invite, nothing
0: unless Safe way it's done,
3: to be yep.
4: You know, properly And then over 18 um, they, they, they're, they're like, they're all like sponges And maybe, yes, everybody today, and I'm much older But the reality is everybody's like a sponge these days Thanks to probably the internet
0: so there's a there, but there are commonalities amongst the abductees we've talked about it in the past. I wish my usual one of my usual co-hosts is Matt Moniz, who has been researching this for over thirty years, and he used to work with Bud Hopkins and the Intruders Foundation, and uh, and he's a guy that you know has actually been part of both regression therapy with people and also been abducted himself. Okay. So I, I I just wish he was here to kind of lend to this. But one of the things that we've heard is that you know. There are a lot of commonalities amongst them, uh, but one of the things that has kind of spilled over into the, into the back-on-Earth realm is that these people find a connection amongst each other here on Earth. So they, they might, you know, for lack of a better term, meet on the ship, and then for some reason they're drawn to each other here on Earth.
4: I, I don't think so. I think uh, yes and no. The no is my, uh, my opinion. The yes is, you know, they have experiencer conferences. You know, you go to a UFO conference like the UFO Congress, and they have a session every morning for an hour or two where experiencers uh, all get together and uh, with a regression hypnotherapist, though I don't think they're all regressed, but just as kind of a moderator, mm-hmm. and they get together. But other than that, I'd say no. No, matter of fact. Lately, past X number of years, it seems to be that a lot of these uh, hybrids, or not a lot, but some of these hybrids, have um, guides, the abductees. So in other words, like a counselor or a mentor. So these abductees, come; these uh, these uh, hybrids, breds, come to Earth, they may get an apartment, and let's say I'm the one that's working with that particular one, and uh, I go to the his or her apartment, and I see the sofa that they got or have, and it's facing the wall. So I would say to them, you know, Bob, you need to turn that sofa around, move it more into the middle of the living room, and put a table in front of it or something like that, or a chair next to it, or something, because
0: they don't know the way.
4: They, they, They don't know the culture.
0: And you're encountering so they them.
4: They need help. They're, they're and all around us. I don't us. have one of those. I'm busy enough doing this. So obviously they're not burdening me with any more stuff.
0: But, but what but, you're saying um, is these, these beings well, are
4: all, all around us. With the craft, everybody's just kind of like comatose, or a better use of words. Word. Comatose. We're watching a screen sometimes, and the screen shows us. It, just, it looks, shows a barbecue scene. And people are standing around a barbecue, laughing and giggling, and you know we're, we're sitting there and we have no clothes on. We're sitting on this like bench, and we're watching the screen. And then some voice says in your head, "Don't, uh, don't we all look the same?" And in your head, you're going, "Yeah, yeah." I and mean, then they say, "Well, isn't it great we can all get along and be together?" Spooky. It is well, it's <laughs> but it's true. I believe true. Um, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's it's fairly heavy. I mean, but but I think that for people like myself and a couple of hundred other people that are out there doing what I do or something like it, I think it's important to share the information. And if something does happen, and I don't know how you know severe it would be or how not severe it is. Uh, it may be easier to digest, and that's what I want to do. I want to help educate, and like I said, my first priority is humanity.
1: So how do we know if someone is a hybrid or not? Would we be able to tell?
4: Excuse me, Stephanie, sorry.
1: I said, how would we know if someone is a hybrid or not? Would we be able to tell?
4: You probably don't know. If If you go to, on YouTube, go to Dr. David Jacobs, he's got a six-minute video, which is like Abduction 101, but it's really good. It's really good. Okay. You do feel really good about it. I know my wife's listening right now, and she's probably saying, why did you bring that up?
3: <laughs> well, no, it's... Well, I brought
4: it up because, you know, you're asking questions, and I want to help you with some answers.
3: Right. And we're going
4: to be off the air shortly, and, you know, you go your way, and I go mine. So I send you to a place that, a common... A commonality is YouTube or Google or something like that.
1: Right, and I feel like... Go
4: there, put in Dr. David Jacobs, and watch his six-minute... I mean, he's got about five, ten different videos, but look at the one for six minutes. I think it's called Abduction 101 or something like that.
1: Okay, I will definitely do that. I was just figuring I'd I'd ask for everybody else that was listening at home because I don't think anybody thinks in that way that we are surrounded already, Um, so... I wasn't sure if there was a way that we could tell that someone was a little different or that they looked just like us, so it was worth a shot asking. But thank you for the information.
0: You know what? We we should have Doctor David Jacobs back on the show. It's been a long time since we talked to him.
1: I don't think it's been since I've been on. No,
0: it was. I think it was. Two, I'm looking it up now. I think it was 2008. Wow. Get to him as quickly as
4: possible. I mean, David is still okay, but uh, unfortunately, his wife passed about a year and a half ago. And last time I was with him, he was like I said, he's okay. But I, I think when you, 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 you if you're skyping, I mean, you look at him and see him, you realize he's aging, and, and we're all aging. But I mean, he's aging, so the sooner the better to get him on.
0: Mm-hmm. And we, we, definitely have to have Stan Friedman back on. It's been so long since we've talked to him as well. And
4: yeah, you definitely just right. He's already had, I think, he had a stroke about about a year and a half. Two years ago, he seems to be better. He's traveling again, so that's good. So I would say definitely go for it.
0: And, and just for a moment, while we're talking about uh, folks who have been ill, uh, our, our thoughts and prayers go out with Jim Mars, who's on the road to recovery as well uh, from yes. from what he's been dealing with with diabetes. But it, it certainly bears you know some thinking when you say you you can't tell what these look like, and you're saying you're saying that these beings are around us and that we're encountering them in our everyday life and not even realizing it. Are you awakened to it, though, because you've been an abductee, because you've been around them? Can you discern when you're dealing with somebody who is one of these hybrid beings?
1: That was definitely my next question, too.
4: Well, I'll tell you. I had an experience about two or three months ago, and I was with my wife, and we were at a Whole Foods supermarket. And there was a gentleman that was a young gentleman about, say, 26, 27, and he was quiet, and he was putting soup into a container, and he was probably going to going to eat it later. I don't know when. But anyway, Well, I did know. And in about ten minutes, I knew when. But he couldn't figure out how to contain the soup in the container. So my wife said, you know, put the top on it. So he put it on. And no talking. And then we're checking out. And he couldn't figure out how to check out. And so the person that was behind the register... Spoke to him in Espanol, thinking maybe he was Spanish, and that didn't work, and we know English didn't work, and he just looked at us like, huh? And so he took his wallet out, and he kind of was shuffling through it, and the cashier took the credit card with a chip and put it in. Nothing happened, and so I kind of knew that this guy may have been one of them, so I just said, I'll pay for it. So I, I paid it forward. And got the poor guy out. And when we were leaving, it was really, really cute because he just smiled at Kathy and myself and just waved. <laughs> I felt so good.
1: And <laughs> in, in that ways, was the
4: latest experience I had with, I believe, a U bred or slash hybrid.
1: Now, is that typical of, of them not really understanding how we do things?
4: I think initially maybe. And that's why they may need, you know, a guide, a mentor.
1: Now, do you think that that's the human um, error but, you know, in then their they, they makeup?
4: adapt. They adapt. They're smarter than we are. They are telepathic. Um, they're different. They're different. But you just don't know. You just don't know. They look really good. I mean, that's, a, it's a. I think, a very serious program.
0: Is part of this, at least in, in Lisa, your experiences, as you've been taken, Uh, Is this something that you are... Because you say that they try to make it so that you don't know that you are, but obviously you've had awakenings at some point during this to realize that. Does it happen at a certain time? Is there a certain way that it happens? Do you know that if you, you know, just... I don't even mean this to sound as goofy as it sounds, but, you know, if you you leave the window open, does that make it more likely to happen? Are there different things that, that you can kind of almost tell, like, this might be one of the nights that I go? Well...
4: Let me just tell you this. The last time I had an experience, it was about four years ago in our home, and first of all, they don't have to open a door. They'll go through the wall, they'll sure. go through the window, go through the ceiling.
0: Which is but interesting because they, they can, but can, telepath- can you go through those? Uh, yes, they, can.
4: they say they can. I don't remember going through them. All okay. I can tell you is I got up, I don't sleepwalk, my oh, wife says I don't sleepwalk, and I was walking out in a hallway in our home, and uh I was about 50, 75 feet away from my bedroom door towards the front door of the home, of our home. And I looked back to the bedroom door, and there, there were two of them, one about four feet tall and one about three feet tall. The big one, he or her, had their hand on the shoulder of the little one, probably telepathically telling the little one, get your... Right over there and get that guy. I think for me, they telepathically, you know, probably wanted me to just come outside. You know, why bother going through things when you can just get, you know, UFO Jim to walk out the door and go, yo, here I am. Beam me up, Scotty. That kind of thing. But I'm going to tell you, I was so frightened. So frightened. If this has been happening my whole life, which I believe it has, and I reacted that strongly. I mean, it was the fright flight. I just wanted out, out, out. I wanted out, but I didn't want to go. So now when I get up, if I'm going to the bathroom, for instance, in the middle of the night, I'm usually saying, please, not tonight. I have a headache.
0: But there's got to be something about you that they are targeting. Do you have any idea why it is that they've chosen you? Because I've got to think, out of all the people in the world, there's tons of people that would more than be... You know, be more than willing to stand outside their house and say, beam me up. But for some reason, those aren't the people that are being taken. It's, being, it's people that are going against their will.
4: Well, remember, it's a, it's a program. It's a genetic program. So they're following lineage. So it's not a question of it's me or them. It's me because my dad, let's say.
0: But have they told you what a, specifically about your lineage is that they're focusing on and what they're interested in?
4: Well, it's probably all about uh, genetics. Mm-hmm. It's all, and they're just following. Look, yeah, people say you want it to happen. Hey, Stephanie, you want this to happen? I don't think so. Nope. And if you asked me uh 10 years ago, do I want this to happen? I would say, maybe. But when it did happen, when I was conscious of it happening anyway, when I was conscious of it happening, I freaked out. Just freaked out. You know what I've been asked? Were they wearing uniforms? I can't tell you. I was asked were they wearing shoes. What were their feet what do their feet look like? I can't tell you. All I could see was their faces. They were the greys that you know through media. Um, and the one was bigger than the other. And all I know is I just wanted O U T. Out <laughs> that wouldn't be the right way to go, it should be just away. <laughs> But it didn't happen. And it's been going on since I was probably two or three years old, and it's okay. I mean, it's just the way it is. When did you become aware
0: of what was going on? If it was, if, I mean, I'm sure you can look back now and, and put the pieces together, but at what age did you actually become aware of what was going on?
4: Well, I, I probably was uh, 20 or 30 when I put it together, but when I was two or three, uh, we lived in an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. And they came into the apartment building, and they were shuffling around because our, our floor in the apartment was linoleum. And so I can hear shuffling. Middle of the night. I can just tell you, it was dark. Was it 2 in the morning? Can't tell you. 5 in the morning? Can't tell you. I can just say it was pitch dark. And they were there, and I would asked my mother and father, you know, who's in the hallway? And they probably thought little Jimmy had a nightmare, and they said people were looking at the apartment to rent it. Well, being two or three, I didn't say, oh, "You got to be kidding me!" Who's looking at an apartment at two or three in the morning right. to rent? You know. So, uh, but it was only till twenty years later that I was able to put two and two together. I do have the scoop mark uh, on me. The scoop mark is done for uh, DNA purposes, and it's like a fingerprint. And they take skin, and they're usually a, kind of a triangle shape. I've got it on my arm. It's a very convenient area to show. show. It's been examined by uh, a couple of doctors that deal in in the genre, and they say, well, you know, all we can say is it looks about 95% the real deal. Um, I believe my implant is in my upper left ear. Uh, Have I been scanned? No, I'm supposed to be scanned in about three months. So we'll see if we get anything. It's going to be kind of disappointing if I find out there's nothing there. <laughs> well, I mean. I think there is, but we'll find out.
1: Now, how did you find out that your father was taken?
4: Somebody had to be taken in, in, in the genetic, in, in the family. So it had to be either my mother or my father. Okay, but you and don't. I say my father only because uh, he seemed to be um, smarter than the average. Uh, that doesn't mean he was the one, it could have been my mother.
0: But you don't know for right. sure that they definitely um, were.
4: I don't know. I just okay. that's a feeling I have.
0: Because my thought would be, if I knew this was happening and it was genetic, I wouldn't have any kids, because I wouldn't want them to have to, you know, be part of this program. Guess
4: what? I have no kids.
0: Now, see, maybe maybe that's part of the deal. You know, maybe that's part of uh, what goes on with it. One of the things that. Um, that I I, um, I always ask people that have these experiences. What about the people who are around you? So if this is happening and your wife is there, what is she experiencing when you're being taken?
4: Well, it's probably the effect that they can do telepathically. They just wave their hand, and it's like probably taking twenty five uh, ambient. I mean, it's okay. They're out. They're so, just out, out, out. She has no. And then when I came then that time that I was taken around two or three in the morning, I, I was back. An hour or two later, I can't tell you exactly. And um, I was sitting on the edge of the bed, and it was like 4.30. So I don't know what that all means, except for the fact it got me to do it uh, with the um, Sonoma International Film Festival in Sonoma, California, which is a mainstream film festival. We have a, a, a portion of it called the UFO Symposium, and we had a alien abductee panel. We had... Three women that had their re- recall of their, some of their experiences. They were on the panel, and as my moderator, I had a, you may not know him, but when I tell you who he is and what he was, you're going to go, really? It's Dr. Charles E. Young. He was the chancellor of UCLA in Westwood, California. You drive, and he was the chancellor for 29 years, I believe the longest serving chancellor in the United States, he also, when you drive in uh, to USCLA today, you, you're driving in on, Dr. Ed, on the Charles E. Young Avenue, and then there's also a library, the Charles E. Young Library. He was my moderator of an alien abduction panel. You couldn't, you'd never believe the, I mean, I couldn't believe the crowds. I mean, it was like, uh, I, you know, I could have rented a stadium, filled <laughs> it up. Unfortunately, I could only get about 200, 250 people one way or the other. Uh, in for that presentation, and he started off with an interesting representation. At first, I just, you know, my, my jaw dropped saying, Oh, don't be saying this. He said, I'm not a believer, and I'm not a disbeliever. I'm open minded, I'm an educator, and I'm open minded. So, what's what a- the right thing to say?
0: Absolutely. What's the
4: thought these process- People went on to say, tell stories that would have blown your mind.
0: What do you think the thought process is of these beings to have folks like yourself and, and those who are out there telling these stories and sharing these stories at these conventions and, and writing books and going on radio shows and spreading the word that this that this program exists? How have they taken that and how have they not silenced that if it's something that they want to keep silenced?
4: Do you mean the car cabal or do you mean E T or?
0: Yes, no, they're definitely the extraterrestrial beings. How have they allowed this to be uh, told? About, yeah. Because really, they, I mean, I'm sure it would just be an easy mind wipe away from, you know, keeping you from being able to spread the story.
4: Well, it's probably you know, it's not it's not fairly easy, but it's somewhat easy to say that I've done lectures on abduction, and I've done I've even done one, let's say, with Dr. David Jacobs, and I did one with Linda Moulton Howe, and we did it together, and. Wasn't a big crowd. It wasn't a big crowd, so it's almost like you know, la 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 la. I guess. Uh, on the other hand, I can do prop um, circles, and we we pack the house, or I can have some film festivals, and we'll pack the house, or I'll be have, have other experts, whether I'm skyping them or not, if they're per, in person. So I think it's just. Um,
0: I mean, I've always felt uh, while the government's able to do it, while the government's able to allow this to go on. Because, you know, you hear hear researchers all the time that say, you know, I, I went out my door and there's, you know, the black sedan with two guys in dark suits sitting in it. And we hear these stories all the time. But I also think the government looks at it as if we have this UFO and this abductee subculture, if enough people are out there sharing their experiences, the more people that talk about it, the more likely it is that there's one or two people who are just out there looking for attention and are just, you know, wrong or or just misrepresenting what happens to them. And if we can just have that happen organically and then expose them, it kind of debunks the entire community. So I think that from a human standpoint, from the, you know, the shadow conspiracy standpoint, it makes sense to let people get together and talk about it. I don't see how it would be something that the extraterrestrial beings would want to allow to happen because that element of surprise is probably the best thing that you have but I mean, from the way you're talking about it, doesn't matter anyway. If you try to resist, they're still taking you.
4: Yeah, I, I, I think it's fairly safe. Um, I don't really have any specific information. Everything we've talked about is available on the Internet, basically. Um, I can't talk. On the Internet, you don't have necessarily me talking about ETs in my hallway. Mm-hmm. But you, go to, you can go on to YouTube or Google or well, any of the UFO-related sites, and they have all kinds of abductees, you know, doing regressions, being filmed, et cetera, and so forth. So and I, I don't know. It's almost like it seems safe. Safe not only for me, but safe to talk about because it's not something that's going to upset an apple cart. I didn't say anything tonight that the Pentagon is going to go, oh, my God, this guy's dangerous. No, there's nothing that I said today that's not available to everybody.
0: What's funny is as we're talking about this, we just saw the UFO bicycle show up outside of our studio in front of the big glass windows. All of a sudden I just look out there and I see these different colored lights and it's just some kid on a bike. That is hard. It was, it was pretty freaky that. for a second. But, uh, right, right. So uh, one more time, though, before we let you go, let's give your uh, website information out for everybody so that they can uh, find more information about you. Perfect.
4: It's uh, com. one word, ufojim Sonoma dot UFO Jim Sonoma, or UFOsareal.com, dot com, double dot com. They both go to the same site. So, if you can remember easier, UFO Jim Sonoma.com. go that way.
0: And the one last question we're going to ask you. This one popped up in the chat room as well, and uh, it, it's a good thing to ponder. And the question is, how do we know that what's going on with you and the abductees? is the work of extraterrestrials, and it's not some sort of human experiment that's using extraterrestrials as a screen memory.
4: Yeah, and I can't say one way or the other. I don't know.
0: Well, my, and you I don't know, think if you a
4: ask... answer. I mean, I can come up with a bunch of, you know, I don't think, I
0: don't think they're going to tell you the answer if you ask know. them either. So uh, do you do you think that this is something that's going to happen to you again, or or maybe now how much you've been talking about it, maybe that makes you not a likely candidate anymore?
4: You mean for abduction? yes. No, I think it's. they don't care. They just it's got a program. I mean, there may be a point where I get to be a zillion years old, and they don't want me there anymore for whatever reason. I don't think I'm in a breeding program anymore. Um, I'm not sure. I know because, anyway, um, I don't think they're doing that, and so maybe they're bringing me in for a tune-up once a year or twice a year or three times a year. I don't know.
0: Well, guess, you know, next time you go up and, and, and just put a little bug in the rear, just mention the name Stephanie Burke. Stop that. Oh. <laughs> do not. He wants to meet you. Right. I do
1: have a question, at least. Yes, definitely. Do you feel as though they have any interest in psychics for their program?
4: Do they have any interest in, in sorry, one In more psychics. In psychics?
1: People yes.
0: with psychic abilities, yeah.
1: Psychic
4: abilities? Possibly, maybe because you're easier to communicate with.
0: See, you're a prime candidate.
1: Well, it, I'm Possibly. only asking because of my weird Possibly. experience that I had. So
0: she, She's going to try and gouge out her third eye right yes. now. Well, Jim, thank you so much for joining us. This was a great discussion, and we definitely want to have you back. We want to have you back on when Matt Moniz is here, and we can really get into some some good discussion and debate.
4: That will be great. Thank you, for be, thank you all for having me on. Oh, thank, you, thank you.
0: It was a great conversation, and we look forward to having more. Okay. Take care.
4: Take care. Good night.
0: That is UFO Jim. Jim Ledwith joining us. And again, as he mentioned, you can go to his websites. Uh, the, I have the UFOs are real site up right now. UFOs, then the letter R, and then real.com. And uh, the other one as well, UFOjimsonoma.com. So you can go to those sites and check out everything about him. And, uh, and as he was mentioning, you know, there's a ton of information on YouTube. There's a ton of documentaries. And now they're starting to, to work their way into some of the streaming services. There's a ton of stuff on Netflix. There's a bunch of stuff on Hulu. So you can actually go and find these documentaries now in a, in a much easier way because these streaming services are being programmed by people who are putting together what they think people want to see as right. opposed to you know, what they want to allow you to see. Of course. So this information can get out there easier. And, uh, and for example, the Stan Romanek documentary is up there. And I'm not going to even tell... I'm not, I'm not going to get into the story of Stan Romanek right now because it's... We don't have enough time. It's just... There's a lot of blurred stuff involved with it. And we had Stan on the show years and years ago when he had his original video that he captured of an alien looking into his son's room. Mm-hmm. But there's been all kinds of accusations since then. But... I'm just putting it out there that that has a, is a newly released documentary on Netflix if you want to check it out as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to hook up with Ashley for the Week in Weird. Uh, where I'm going to open up Skype as I'm talking. But uh, she will give us the news of the week. But before that, we'll just let everybody know that next week we're not going to be on. Right. Because we'll be all day long and all weekend long, uh, Saturday and Sunday. Stephanie and I will be at the Ocean State Paracon. Right. Uh, it's happening at the Assembly Theater. In Harrisville, Rhode Island, which is, if you're on the south coast, a 40-minute drive.
1: If that, yeah.
0: 45, it takes me like an hour and 10 minutes to get there from my house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from New Bedford, probably about 45 minutes. And it's a nice ride. Basically, it's like, for those of you who are familiar, it's like heading to Twin River. And then you just keep going past where Twin River is. And you go into like the heart of Rhode Island, like real New Englandy. You know, looks like something from a jigsaw puzzle, and as you go down there, you just end up at this little theater, this little church-owned theater, right alongside the river, and it's a perfect spot to spend a couple of days, especially when the weather's nice. And it know, should it, be. It, it's right in the little downtown area, so there's plenty of uh, foot traffic coming by and huge lineup of guests. Who are some of the guests that people can see?
1: We have, well, us of course. We also. Well, have- Well, I would
0: I would list us last. <laughs>
1: Dustin Perry will be there on Saturday only Samantha Hawes will be there on Sunday only Shari Benedetti will be there all weekend with us We also have Amy Bruni who will be there Saturday only We have Scott Porter from the Tennessee Wraith Chasers coming up and spending time with us for the whole weekend um, The Gettysburg Ghost Gals will be up We also have um, Keith and Carl Johnson Rosalind Bown. Who else is on there, Tim? Who am I forgetting? Uh, Chuckles the Clown.
0: You forgot Chuckles the Clown. Chuckles He'll be your clown, best yes. friend.
1: I'm trying to look and see what we have for lectures, too, because there will be lectures going on all day Saturday and all day Sunday. So there's a lot to see. There's a lot to hear. Um, it's definitely not something that you want to miss, for sure. And, yes, the weather will be warm, but you can also escape inside and listen to the lectures where there is beautiful air conditioning.
0: That is the best part about it. And I think most of the people that come in for my lecture are just coming in for the air conditioning. That's okay. They're like, we don't want to listen to this guy talk, but it's so hot outside that we just want to come in for a few minutes. We
1: have um, Saturday lecturing. We have... Uh, Chris DeCesire, Dustin Perry, John Brightman, Tim Weisberg, myself, and then Sunday, Rosalind Bound, Keith and Carl Johnson, Ron Murphy, Bill Brock, and Andrea Perron.
0: And you can find all of this information at RiseUpParanormal.com. Yep. And uh, we also have it linked up on the events page at SpookySouthCoast.com as well. And speaking of events, next Saturday night we have a special event going on, and, uh, and Stephanie, you can let everybody know about that too.
1: Yes. So... Tim and I decided that we were going to do a spooky event following Ocean State Paracon right after. And that will be at the uh, Governor William Sprague Mansion in Cranston, Rhode Island. And you can grab a ticket now. We... Uh we expect them to sell out. So it'll be Tim, myself, and Porter from the Tennessee Wraith Chasers joining us that night. And it should be a good time. I'm excited because they haven't allowed anybody in for investigation in no, a really long time. It's
0: been years. And uh, and so you can get those tickets. Go to SpookySouthCoast.com. You'll find the link to get tickets for Spooky at the Sprague. We also still have the uh, tickets on sale as well for Ghosts of the Gateway uh, coming up in August as well. But, yeah, definitely get on those tickets because we're going to be putting out signs at Ocean State Paracon, signing people up. And you know that when Porter's out there and he's sitting at his table and he's got the poster up for it, everybody's right. going to want to be signing up. So make sure that you can get your spot now. It's going to be, it looks like it's probably going to be a pretty intimate event. And uh, you get the chance to investigate a place that really, I don't think anybody's done it in a number of years. So these ghosts are yep. probably chomping at the bit to be able right. to you know, interact with people. And
1: you get the one-on-one time to investigate with Porter as well.
0: Yes, and this is a very rare New England appearance for Porter, right. so make sure if you're a fan of Ghost Asylum, maybe you want to get some of the inside scoop as much as we can squeeze out of him on the new show that's coming out. Right. You know, you can come out and, uh, and certainly come and meet them at the Ocean State Paracon, uh, which is raising money for the Rhode Island Coalition Against Domestic Violence, but also a portion of all the event ticket sales is going to go back to them as well. So we want to make sure that we get as many people out there to help support both Porter coming out here, and also to raise money for the Sprague Mansion, the Cranston Historical Society, and the Rhode Island Coalition Against Domestic Violence. So you definitely want to make sure that you get your tickets as much as you can. So uh, I'm just trying to connect with Ashley here, and uh, we'll see if we can bring her on. Let's see. Can you hear us, Ashley, okay? Oh, hang on. Just kidding. Can you hear us now, Ashley?
5: There's a lot of back seats.
0: That might be. Uh, you might have to turn something down on your end.
1: Oh, there it goes.
0: Yeah, because I don't. I don't have any thing up on this. I was smart this week. I made sure I turned it down ahead of time. For once, it's not your fault. You can't blame me for this week's.
5: <laughs> no, it's good now. It's just like it was just like backfeeding a little bit.
0: I think because uh, before you were kind of on the hold, and we hadn't actively connected with you. So. Oh. Just to say, you know, it's it's a learning experience with this. <laughs> Most definitely. Just a few years ago we didn't even have this capability to make it sound like you're right here in the room we're with us. We're super
1: fancy now.
5: I guess you guys are. I see you guys with the multi-cameras
1: on YouTube.
0: <laughs> oh, thanks we don't to mess Matt around. Costa.
1: <laughs> no and, thanks to Tim and I. And just as a
0: heads up, Matt and I were talking earlier tonight. He's already going to kill me for even saying this. He's like, "Don't oh, right. prom- don't promise things we can't deliver on." But we've already begun talking about the Bridgewater Triangle investigation show for this year. He's got this look on his face, row. like "shut up." <laughs> You're going to jinx it. For, Stop! That'll right.
5: <laughs> be fun. You guys will have fun at that.
0: Well, we do it. We do it every year, but each year we try to make it a little bit better than the year before. And he's got some some cool technical ideas that might help, and and actually stuff that we might be able to utilize with uh, with you as well.
5: Oh heck yes, I'm down for anything.
0: Well, don't say that because then we're totally going to make you the guinea pig for everything that we try to do.
5: Yes, I want to be the guinea pig. Well, I've been through some crazy stuff, so I'm I'm ready for it.
0: <laughs> so, you have some news for us, do you?
5: I do, and this wasn't planned. I didn't know your your guest was going to be talking about UFOs and aliens, so it kind of goes in perfectly. Um, maybe you were so,
0: maybe you were abducted, and they put the idea into your head.
5: Um, you weren't supposed to tell anyone that. Okay. <laughs> that that was a secret, we'll and you blew it. Sorry. None what? of that. None of that. <laughs> so um, the story behind Marilyn Monroe's death is that she died of an overdose on August 5th, uh, 1962 at the age of 36. But there's a new documentary coming out called The Unknown Knowledge that believes that her death is just a cover-up story when really she was murdered due to her much-knowing knowledge of the UFOs and extraterrestrial life
3: mm.
5: and that she threatened to go public with it with all her knowledge. I personally don't know what to think of it. I mean, this, this article just came out about a few weeks ago, so there's still a lot of, like, more to investigating to go on with it, but um, I've been looking for for the documentary. It hasn't come out yet,
0: so. It makes sense if you think about it because, you know, Marilyn Monroe had a, a lot of problems with drug abuse, which, you know, people say, well, you know, obviously that's why she died, but that also could have been because of what she was dealing with. And she was also very close to President Kennedy, so maybe she yes. was let into information that the rest of us weren't.
5: That was another thing that in the article it said, because she had such a close connection with the Kennedys that she was her, the main target.
1: And if you look at it as a whole, maybe the Kennedys were targeted for that reason, too. That's a good point, too.
5: I mean, I feel like this article could be expanded a, a lot more, so it's definitely something I'm going to keep my eye on. And, and and yeah, for
0: sure. Let us know uh, when the documentary comes out. And, and speaking of documentaries, I don't, I don't mean to, to crap on any of the news stories that you might have coming up, but did you see the uh, report that came out this week where there's a documentary that's going to air on the History Channel, I believe, where they might have found proof that Amelia Earhart was actually uh, kidnapped by the Japanese. She was taken in as a, as a prisoner by the Japanese. I set a recording for that.
5: Yes. Actually, that was going to be one of my stories, but then I found the Marilyn Marilyn Monroe won and I was like
0: oh my goodness you're, like, you're <laughs> like Marilyn Monroe was way hotter than Amelia Earhart so I'm going with that story she
5: is gold hair goals right there
0: <laughs> I mean I don't think I'm being you know wrong when I say that I mean Marilyn Monroe was a much more attractive woman than Amelia Earhart not that it matters they both contributed greatly to society but I'm just you know it's, it's not a sexist thing it's just a fact
5: <laughs> it's your God. own personal opinion <sighs>
0: well what else God. do you have for us before I get myself in any more trouble?
5: Right. <laughs> yeah, so we're just going to keep going. So the next story I found was on your own, your Facebook page, Spooky South Skulls on Facebook, oh. um, which was linked to your Twitter account, actually. Stalking us, actually. Fancy. Uh, yep, that's what I do. If we're living, I stalk people. <laughs> um, this one was entitled, Aztec Towers of Human Skulls Uncovered in Mexico City. Uh, now, personally for me, anytime something that's been hidden for numerous amount of years, automatically strikes an interest for me Me too. um but this in this case this article says that it was found from over 500 years ago which i was like oh my god super cool like where can i get this get my hands on this um which obviously i'm not going to but um quoted from the article that you can find on bbc news um they were expecting to find just men and obviously younger men because they are warriors and now the question is that they think they might have found some women and children. Um, because archaeologists have found more than 676 skulls in the mm-hmm. site next to Mexico City's Metropolitan Cathedral, which was built over the, I might be saying this wrong, excuse me, um, Templo Mayor? I'm not sure, um, which is one of the most important Aztec temples. So I can only imagine what they're going to find next.
0: That's a lot of skulls. Yeah. That's, you know, like, people freak out when they find one. Like, hey, I was digging in my backyard, and I found a human skull. Like, that's, that's weird enough. Imagine having that many.
5: 676. <laughs> and I guess I just keep finding more as it goes on. So another story that I'm going to keep my eyes on because super cool, 500 years old. I mean,
0: I think it's cool. Absolutely. And uh, do, do you have one more story for us?
5: I do. Um, and this one's titled, Do We Really Know What's Going On in the Ocean? I know that's really a vague statement, and you're probably really, like, what are don't. you doing?
1: <laughs> what are you talking about? It's us? the last great frontier. And sharks scare me just as much as aliens.
5: Well, we had a shark sighting where I live just a few uh, weeks ago. So
3: in house? Water.
5: No. <laughs> oh, okay. No, not my house, not in my pool, in the one of our local beaches, so I'm staying out of the ocean from now on. Awesome. But, um... I'm gonna personally raise my hand because anytime I see nasty seaweed, I freak out. Anything that touches my foot grosses me out. Not to think about what else is going on, but in the deep sea off of East Australia, it's been noted that there are this new form of sea pigs, sea spiders, and weird faceless fish. What? But they're not letting it go uncovered. Quoted from the article, it's a one. It's a part of a one-month voyage unsolving the sailing to the edge of Australia, to the continental plate where the depth sharply drops down to 4km, which I'm guessing is pretty deep. I didn't do the math. Um, nets are trawling the sleds where they can use the marine life to be found in the deepest of the sea so they can find out more of the third world captures of fish and new science.
0: You're just solidifying my feeling about how I never swim in the ocean. yep. <laughs>
5: Well, we can swim in the ocean, I guess we just stay away from Australia.
0: No, no, I don't want to go out there at all, because even like a horseshoe crab <laughs> freaks me out.
1: This is super creepy, so I'm looking up what a sea pig is because now I need to know well a
0: sea pig that that does some kind of interesting
1: right, however, if- extra
0: salty bacon comes from a sea pig.
1: Ew. oh my God, <laughs> um now that I'm looking at it, I realize that um I learned about these on my daughter's little junior Disney junior show <laughs> called Octonauts. um and I could probably sing the entire song to you about sea pigs, but they f- they feast on sunken corpses.
5: Yes, how creepy is that? Like, so now you put that in my head that you got weird faced animals, and now you have dead people at the bottom of the ocean that they're eating
0: off of. Mm. So, we Never went, going so we went we went to the uh, we went to the arcade a few <laughs> weeks ago with my son, and uh, and he won a bunch of tickets playing games, and and they they had narwhal. Yes. Uh, stuffed animals, and so he starts telling me all about narwhals. I'm like, well, those those aren't real. Yes, they are. And he are. starts like telling me all about them, and I'm like, no, if they're not real. I've never heard of that before. And he starts telling me all about, it, and I was like, oh my god, well, I had no idea that that was even a real thing. So it just you goes me to, to sing show. The song like, for you? No, no, that's fine. Oh, okay, it just goes. I to think sh- you should. I, I should <laughs> not go into the ocean. I should just stay um, away from the ocean.
1: You've seen Elf, right?
0: Uh, yes. I, I saw it like once. So I, I was there's not that a impressed narwhal
1: right in the beginning, and it said he he says, "Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad." That was a narwhal.
0: Well, that's probably why I thought that it wasn't a real thing, though. Probably. So,
1: but anyway,
0: there's so many weird things in the ocean that I just I'll stick to my pond. Where the, wor- <laughs> the worst thing that's ever happened to me is I got bit by a pike on the nipple once. What? Right. Oh, <laughs> what? Although every time I go out there and I go too deep, I'm like, wait, there's snapping turtles in here. Right. But I'll take I'll take a chance with just snapping turtle and nipple biting pike, as opposed so to everything that's in the I ocean. What you're I should
5: find something <laughs> oh that's in your pond that's bad.
0: Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. The, <laughs> the worst thing that ever happened to me at my pond, for real, I had to punch a swan once. <laughs> what? A swan? Swans. What is- swans are the a holes of the bird.
1: Listen, this this entire conversation is going downhill. Your nipples are being violated. You're punching swans.
0: (laughs) I had to punch a swan once. We
1: have to just take this down a
0: notch. When my son was little and he was – because he's always been a great swimmer. So he would be like three, four years old and he'd be like jumping off the dock and swimming like far out, like further than I'll go. Mm -hmm. And so he's he's out there. Like I, I have what's called, you know, the mucky stuff. You know, you have, like, that oh. nice, clear, sandy area where you can swim, and then you get to the area where all the mucky stuff is. And I, once I get to the mucky stuff, I'm good. It's already over my head. I don't need to go any deeper. <laughs> and so he's actually out past that. And all of a sudden, the swan is, like, coming toward all the people. And you would think that a swan wouldn't come toward the people. Right. So I tell him to come back in, come back in. so as he's swimming in, like, the swan's kind of following him in. And the swan is, like, getting super close. So I'm, like, yelling, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here, and it wouldn't move. So I, like tried to swim between me and uh between my son and the swan Mm -hmm. and the swan's getting all like honking at me and everything (laughs) like making that horrible swan noise and it like kind of like dipped toward me like it was gonna like peck me so i had to like push its head away so i just like hit it with my fist and i punched the swan accidentally i didn't mean to like i just was kind of brushing him away and he did not go away like we all ran everybody that was in the water ran out of the water and the swan just owned the beach for like the next 10 minutes
5: I'm hoping we come across a swan at Paracon so I can see you do this.
0: There are swans there. You can't. So
1: you can't punch swans in front of me. The
0: swans might be like, we heard about you. Right. We saw you on the poster. You're that guy. Right. <laughs> so we all came. We all came the down. Underground
1: Swan Club discusses you regularly.
0: <laughs> First rule of Underground Swan Club is you don't talk about Underground Swan Club. <laughs> All right, Ashley. Well, thank you very much for giving us the news and for giving us uh, a stroll down swan-punching memory lane.
5: (laughs) No problem. Have a great night, and I'll see you guys this upcoming weekend.
3: Yes, I can't wait. See you then.
0: Yes. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. And, uh, yeah, so, like I said, it was was an accidental. I was just trying to brush the swan away. I would never abuse the swan because the swan could kick my ass.
1: I don't know how I feel about this, Tim.
0: They're nasty, nasty creatures. I, I think I've learned...
2: They do. They hiss.
1: I'm sure they do. They hiss. But remember who like, you're talking to.
0: I, I really do think that, like the the uh, the prettier an animal is, just the more of a right. jerk it is. You know,
2: like what, look at monkeys. Monkeys aren't cute. Just because it's pretty doesn't mean it's a, it's not a jerk.
0: Right. Monkeys. <laughs> it's I think really that's gonna it's gonna like a it's like soon. Mean Girls. <laughs> but like monkeys are not like monkeys are cute, but they're like not attractive creatures.
1: Spider monkeys are cute.
0: They're cute, is but it's not attractive. Like you don't look at a monkey and say, "What a beautiful monkey!" No, You're like, like oh, peacock. that's a cute monkey. So I think that and peacocks are kind of jerks.
1: jerks.
0: Okay. So you know, you know, it's 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 proving my point. But the you know monkeys get along with people because you know they're not that good looking. So they're like, <laughs> like, yeah, we can hang. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm just, except for that monkey apparently that bit somebody at the Brockton Fair. Awesome. that Chris was talking about he's plan oh, really? on him yeah. talking about that for the entire show tomorrow
2: I remember that uh um, that lady who had a pet she had a pet like chimpanzee she and it ripped thing. her yeah, face off her face off yeah
0: that was she had to have like a face transplant Maybe that was she horrible was a, she looks like Nicolas horrible. Cage now
2: no it's like well the thing is like swans she's wearing Cage monkeys, monkeys peacocks <laughs> everything you have to realize these are animals. Right. They're wild animals.
0: They're wild animals. They're not made to be. Right. <laughs> you don't keep them as pets and name them Gilligan. <laughs> but uh, no, the, the, apparently a monkey bit somebody at the Brockton Fair trying to feed it an apple. Awesome. Like late at night. And was Chris was saying today, like if somebody's feeding you apples all day and you've had enough na- enough apples, you don't want any more apples, you bite their finger. <laughs> and so apparently she's suing the monkey now, according to Chris. All right, well, that does it for this week's show. As we said, there will be no show next week because we will be at the Ocean State Paracon and we'll be having our Spooky at the Sprague event. So why not just get tickets and come hang out with us? Yes. We'll actually perform an episode of Spooky South Coast before you as we're investigating, if that's what you want.
1: And there will be no punching swans.
0: No swan punching allowed. Uh, but if, if a swan gets up in my face and gets loud, like, I'm not just going to back down.
1: I will take care of it. You know what that. I mean? Like if a,
0: if, 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 a, if a swan wants to step, <laughs> we're going to have an issue. I mean, I, I practice bird law. But, but what is happening? When it, to, when it comes to swans, they just it, it doesn't even enter into the situation. <laughs> All right. So, again, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with more Spooky South it. Coast. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: I was waiting. Oh,
0: that's perfect. Uh, so, as I said we'll be back with more spooky South Coast coming up in just a couple of weeks. You can check out all of our archives on YouTube. Uh, you can also check us out on the Dark Matter Radio network and uh, also on the Open Box Paranormal Network, so many different places to get the show. Go and check out some of the past episodes if you haven't listened to them before. Watch the videos on YouTube and remember to follow us on Twitter at spooky SC. And also sign up for our mailing list at SpookySouthCoast.com as well. So until next week, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for Chris, for Ashley, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular.